Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Hi, I'm Sandy Jones, and I'd like to welcome you to Christian Living Spotlight, which is a part of the Christian Living Magazine family, and we are a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in the pages of Christian Living Magazine. Except for this week. <laughs> this week's show has been spurred on by what is going on in world news today. And it's just a topic that I felt like maybe we needed to do a little deeper dive in ourselves. On this week's show, we are addressing the conflict in Israel and why it's important for the church as well as the United States to stand behind Israel. And as I was searching for someone who is way more well-informed on this than I am, I saw an interesting post on social media by none other than my good friend, Army Reserve <laughs> Chaplain, he's laughing, Nate Wheeler, on this very subject. So I shot him a text, and here we are, back in the studio again. As he said as we came in this morning, we're back in Studio D. Um, for those who don't know, Nate is an Army Reserve Chaplain with the 814th Transportation Battalion here in Boise. And his story was one of our featured articles in our November-December 2021 issue. Nate, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah, this is kind of a hot issue. It is Always a hot issue. Been. And you know, it's all, we've talked so much about this this morning as we were preparing to, to do the actual show. A lot of this is based on interpretation. A lot of it is. You know, it's kind of like people want to talk about the rapture and they get really hot under the collar about yep. that, you know, and and it's all about interpretation. So what it we're going to do here today is we're going to talk about some of the different interpretations. Yep from a biblical perspective, yep. and then encourage our listeners to do their own research, talk to their own pastors. Absolutely. And come to their own conclusions. So folks, we're not we're not endorsing anything other than the belief that Israel is special and we are called <laughs> to be behind them <laughs> as Christians and as a country, as a nation. So I, I just want to, I want to start just kind of to cue in, and you had to tell me how to say this word because languages are not my gift. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a cod is, is, is from Hebrew. Um, and I don't even, it's from the word QD. Okay, meaning <laughs> to bind. It yeah. comes from the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22, where Abraham took his son Isaac and bound him to offer him as a sacrifice. This was a unique test from God to see if Abraham trusted God. Isaac wasn't sacrificed as God stayed Abraham's hand. And we Christians see this as a foreshadowing of Christ being sacrificed on the cross 2,000 years later. But the Jews see this as an example that throughout history, they will be bound or struggle against other nations, such as Nazi Germany during World War II. And, and then you challenge, again, it, this is part of where you and I get along so well, and we have great conversations when we have time. We're both <laughs> right. busy, and we don't have a lot of time. Right. But I loved how you ended this. Whatever your view of Israel, eschatology in the last days, I thought you would like to have this insight into the Jewish way of seeing struggles and conflict. Yeah, yeah. They see it there with the uh, Akkad, and it has to do with the binding. It's actually the only time in all of the Old Testament that that word is used. So it's kind of special. They see it as being bound, um, struggling that through multiple times throughout history, whenever they've gone through struggles or binding, this is their reference point they go back to, just as I, just as Isaac was bound and struggled, so we will, too. 
and they have had many great struggles in our in our current issue For of sure. Christian Living Magazine. Rick Cromie and his history and culture sure. column uses you know the one day, and I can't say it. It's Tishbev. It's B apostrophe A V. You know, and all the incidents that happen in Jewish history throughout history on that specific yeah. day, they've had you know. Bless these people, and, and you know, it's I, I've had to remind some people this week lovingly, and and you know, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that God came as Jesus as a Jew to fulfill the prophecies. For sure, so exactly. you know, they regardless of your interpretation, <laughs> the Jews are or have been God's chosen people. Right. So the the neat thing with that with the remember the binding of Isaac um, that God stayed Abraham's hand, Abraham's hand. And then God provided a way out. And that's how they see it, right? They're going to be bound and struggle, but God will always show up and yep. protect and provide. And he has regard. time and again. He has, so he has. You have lots of notes. And so, folks, this is going to be a little bit unique show because you longtime listeners are used to a more of a Q&A. Yeah. But really, Nate's dug in and he's got some great different interpretations. And, he, and he's going to show both sides or two or three sides of the yeah. fence. And so I'm just going to kind of turn the mic over to you. And let, you, and let you be okay. our teacher today. All right. So first of all, there's there's no way possible to go through all the topics that we can address here in 25 minutes at all. Also, this is, for me, this is not a test of fellowship or a salvational issue. It does bring up a lot of heat and talk and a debate, uh, almost like bringing up a conversation about abortion all of a sudden brings up a lot of passion. And that kind of happens here too. But um, for me, it's just not a salvational issue at all, nor will I break fellowship with somebody if they disagree or have a different view on the, the last days or eschatology. Um, most pastors around here in this valley, we could sit them all down in a room and sit there and talk about, hey, do you believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary and was he God you know, in the flesh? And did he rise in bodily form and substitutionary atonement and all these things? And they're all going to be shaking their head, yes. And then we get to the last days and they're going to splinter in many different directions. Most of them will in some way. And and that just goes to show you that prophecies are are better seen in, in hindsight than they are forward. It's just difficult. It's difficult to understand. Yes, it is. So, um, and also, just to be honest, um, I'm going to upset some people that are going to listen to this. That's okay. Um, you can contact me later. That's no problems at all. But what I really want to encourage is like what Sandy encouraged, which is, hey, sit down, grab your Bible, read the scriptures, scriptures alone, walk through these passages, look up what they have to say, come to some conclusions, ask really good questions, things of that nature. So here we go. So when it comes down to some of this topics, I want to back up just a little bit and realize that there's a couple main passages that pop out of Revelation. One is in Revelation 20 and one is in Revelation chapter 16. And this kind of brings out four main views. Um, There's actually five, but uh, four main views that all come from what happens in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3. And what it says is, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years ended. After that, he must be set free for a short period of time. So this thousand years is where we have this idea of when will Christ come back or this thousand year reign of when Jesus will return. So the four main views are historical premillennialism, pre-millennial, which means before the millennium happens, Christ will return. And the church is going to be alive and active during the tribulation. They will not be taken away from that. 
George Ladd has a great book on the four different views, and he puts it this way. Historic premillennialists distinguish themselves from dispensational premillennialism, which is a predominant view here in America, by stressing that Israel's salvation must occur in the same terms as a Gentile salvation by putting their faith in the Messiah. Um, there's another view out there. Second view is the all-millennial view. The all-millennial view is saying that right now, currently, we are in the thir- thousand-year reign. The tribulation is currently happening as the church is being persecuted, and Jesus is at the right hand, throne of God, and the rapture and all these other things will uh, will not be happening except for when Christ comes back, when he's ready to, at the thousand-year reign, um, which is happening right now. It's not a literal thousand years, and when he comes back, then that's when time will be no more. Post-millennial is a belief that Christ will return after a period of a thousand years, hence post-millennial. Um, this was actually the predominant view in church history for about 1,800 years. And what they believe is that the world will get better and better, and this golden era of prosperity for Christians will come around almost like a utopia. The gospel will spread well, people will be coming to salvation, and then Christ will return at that part. And then dispensationalism, which is, like I said, the predominant view here in America. Uh, millennial reign will begin after Jesus returns, after a seven-year period of tribulation. Um, there will be a rapture that will happen before um, the tribulation, and then also possibly midway, and then you got this pre-mid, post-mid, all, all this kind of stuff that happens. And so Jesus has a second and a third coming that is going to come. Doug Drake actually wrote this. He says, in stark contrast to the three preceding views, God will give the nation of Israel the land he promised in Genesis fifteen eighteen, And the teachers of this view believe that all the references to Israel in the book of Revelation refer to the nation of the Jews, not just the church. And then there's been another view out there called preterism that has to deal with that all the all the views of what's going to happen at the end times are actually historical views and that they've already kind of taken place. So that's the four main views there, are five there, with, if you include preterism. Um, Revelation 16 um, talks about there are seven bowls of God wrath being poured out on the earth. And the sixth bowl, which is mentioned in, um, in verses 12 through 16, talk about this great battle in the Middle East between all these kings lining up. And we've heard this term before of Armageddon. Well, Armageddon is a location that's about 60 miles north of Jerusalem, just south of Mount Carmel. And it's why that's important in this battle and why everything, when there's a conflict that happens in the Middle East, why people start to kind of just kind of get raised up a little bit is, according to the premillennial dispensationalist side, that that has to happen first before the rapture and before the tribulation happens. Um, So to them, this great battle that's going to happen needs to happen first. And then that means shortly afterwards, Jesus is going to return. And we've heard that with every war. I started to say skirmish, but this is war. This yeah. is ugly. Every war that has happened in the Middle East in my adult history. Yeah. You know, every, every time, time there's a conflict, you know, it's, oh, this is this is the beginning of the end. Christ yeah, is coming right. any day. And so, and I'm saying that that's not true, but this time, but I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not old either. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, you know, middle-aged and, and I've heard this every, every time, every conflict. Every time the there's Middle a firecracker yeah. that goes off over there, right? It's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Right here it could happen, right? So didn't mean to interrupt you, but yes. No, that's true. So um, also just to let a little bit know about here with Israel. So Israel kind of has this important role in God's history. And uh, just to let you know a little bit about the land, the typical boundary points for, if you look in the Old Testament, is Dan to Beersheba. And that's about 160 miles uh, long. So that's basically from Boise to Burley or where the 84 and 86 junctures at. It's basically about that long, and it's about as wide 
at its widest, or not its widest point, but its wide point from the Dead Sea through Jerusalem to the Mediterranean Sea, it's about 50 miles. So that's about from Boise to Ontario. So that's just kind of, it's a pretty compact it's, it's place. A it's a very tiny. small, for a country, for it's a, country. a very small country. Yeah, it's about the size of New Jersey is what it is. So it's a pretty small little spot here. And Armageddon is just a combination of Har, which means Mount Megiddo. And um, it's also known as the Jezreel Valley or the Valley of Megiddo, which is just on the southern slopes of Mount Carmel. There's this view that God will const- will always be protecting Israel. And this comes back from Genesis 12, 1 through 3 on the call of Abraham, and that he will bless those who bless you, or excuse me, he will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So this is where this idea first initiates that Abraham and his and his descendants through Isaac, which are the Jews, will be protected and blessed all the time through throughout history on this. And we see this, right? When Moses was leaving Egypt, right? Got the 10 plagues. They come to a, a, the Red Sea, can't cross it. God parts the ways, right? And their battles. We go when Joshua um, went to, conque- to conquer Canaan uh, in Joshua chapter 23. Joshua makes a statement of, one man of you puts a flight to a thousand since the Lord is your God who fights for you just as he promised, right? And that's in Joshua chapter 23, verse 10. Um, you just see this protection on this. And probably one of the bigger ones was is in Second Kings chapter 18, where the king of Assyria just got done destroying the northern kingdom, and he comes down to Jerusalem and surrounds it. And then in one night, uh, the angel of the Lord appears and kills 185 people, 885,000 people in the Assyrian camp. And Sennacherib just kind of packs up his bags and goes back to Nineveh. And so this has been going on for, you know, millenniums on or actually over a millennium here, of just kind of caring for the nation of Israel. And then they get stories about with the Maccabean revolt and so on and so forth, the Greeks coming through, the Romans. But what was the purpose of this protection? And I think we can go back to even the call of Abraham and realize that this that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And that was a um, prophecy about the Messiah. So the protection that's been given to Israel was for the purpose of bringing forth the Messiah and that all the people in the land will be blessed through them because of Jesus. He is the main focus of all the scripture. It's not me. It's not you. It's not this. It's not that. It's Jesus and Jesus Christ alone who is the main focus. And so we started seeing kind of this change in this focus. At least this is a view of, and you start to see it with Paul in Romans chapter 3 and then again in chapters 9 through 11. In Romans chapter 3, he says, okay, now that the Messiahs have come and he's died and he's risen again, what's so special about being a Jew now? And he goes, Paul goes, hey, there is something very, very special. Um, You've actually were given the very words, the very oracles of God. That is a very special thing. No other nation had that. Absolutely. And so, but Paul also begins to talk about, look, and he begins to describe from that point forward that, look, salvation is no longer by just a bloodline or a race. And matter of fact, if we start looking in the Old Testament, you'll see that appear several times throughout the Old Testament even, that it was never by um, a bloodline. It was always by a belief. And Romans chapter 6, verses 8, uh, six, excuse me, Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8 says this, For not all who are descendant of Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, they are his offspring. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, uh, meaning Ishmael, but the children of the promise that are counted as the offspring. So 
this has been kind of understood that in some circles, once again, there's a lot of back and forth on this, that what he's referring to, what Paul's referring to here is not all of people that are born from Abraham are are Israel, but as since he's describing two different people here, Ishmael and Isaac, that he's distinguishing between those that are born from Isaac. So then it's the Jews here. But as he continues to move forward in this discussion in chapters 9, 10, and 11, it kind of culminates in chapter 11, where he talks about two different vines, grapevines. And he talks about there's one vine that is of God, and there's another one, um, or the Jewish nation here, and then another one that is of the Gentiles. And he says of the one that is of of Israel, the one that is of belief, the one that is of salvation, those branches can be grafted on or cut off. And it all has to do with, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah? And even the the wild vine, the one that would be referred to as the Gentiles, they can be cut off and grafted on to the vine of salvation. And that's when he makes this great statement in, in Romans eleven twenty five, which once again brings up a lot of different debates, that until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and this is all, and, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. So there's a lot of discussion on that too, because in the context, it seems what he's saying is what is making up this new Israel is those that believe that Jesus is the Christ which would be the church. Absolutely. Okay. My, my personal favorite is Galatians 3.28, neither Jew nor Gentile. Yeah. For all are one in, G- in Christ Jesus. So yeah, that's, right. yes, absolutely. So, so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of talk on, okay, so that means the new Israel is actually the church. And that's what Paul's trying to get at is that salvation isn't through a bloodline, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. So, and once again, it puts Jesus as the main focus of, of this discussion here, right? So, but then there's others that take a look and say, well, no, he's talking about a nation here. So in some way, when when the tribulation happens or after it or after the thousand-year reign or before the church is taken up, Jesus will, will appear and will manifest himself in such a way that all of the Jews will take a look and go, that's the Messiah, and they will turn, and therefore all of the Jews, all, the, all of Israel will be saved. So... As you can see, there's a lot of discussion on that. And then, of course, when we take a look into Revelation and the name of Israel gets brought up, premillennial dispensationalists look at that and saying that this is the nation of Israel, while others that take a look at this Romans 9, 10, 11, referring to the church being the new Israel, look at what's being said when he's talking about Israel being the church, not the nation. And so the way that this kind of plays out is in our current world politics and stuff, is that Israel's just kind of had this special place um, here with America, started back at really in the Carter administration, and really trying to do what we can in order to help out this nation, not only as just an ally, but because we see a connection between Judeo-Christian beliefs and connection, um, and also as a role in what will happen in the last days on it. So just as a it's just kind of an interesting connection there for that and and again we're there, we're just highlighting different the, different interpretations, different interpretations. We're, we're not yeah. taking a stand today we right. really want you to dig in do the research Absolutely. talk to your own pastors you know seek out authorities 
and come to your own conclusion. Yeah, please, but, please. But don't take your eyes off Jesus. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, and some of this, you know, there's people that say, well, now Israel just doesn't have this special protection anymore. AD 70, which was bid 40 years after Jesus was crucified and rose again, the um, temple was destroyed by uh, Titus and all the Jews were dispersed and they never had a homeland again until 1947 after World War II, it was theirs. So you you see this kind of like, so where's this protection and what's going on here? But since then, there's been some pretty crazy things. I, I mentioned in 1947 when British rule ended and Israel was on their own, it was the next day, all the surrounding um, Arab Muslim nations attacked Israel and it survived, right? Yeah. And then you go forward another 11 years, we had the peace agreement, or excuse me, the Six-Day War that happened in 1967, so 20 years later, excuse me, after um, they became a state. And that's uh, pretty amazing. That I mean, that's amazing. a really amazing piece of history. If you look that up and you read it, that is pretty amazing how God stepped in and protected, protected them, them supernaturally. Again. I mean, you, yeah. you can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see that, you know, the, the di- Egyptian dictator Nasser went ahead and said, I want to destroy Israel on record of saying that, right? And a lot of the other nations, Arab nations around said, we're going to jump in and do this. And that's when Israel went ahead and gained control of the Western, the West Bank there. And it just goes on and on. Um, I mean, there are 22 Arab states in the United St- in the world, and there's only one Jewish state. And, you know, in this small little New Jersey country, size country, they're just saying, can we just live? Can we be there? And you just constantly see kind of some of this protection. But once again, if you take a look at what ha- what's re- what's in Romans 9 through 11, you see that really this protection is also or is referring to the protection that God gives the church. It's been persecuted. It's been driven out. I mean, it's been on the verge of, of almost extinction, but it never will. It never will yeah. because even the gates of hell won't prevail against it, right? So you see that kind of connection too. And it and then some kind of take a look and go, you know, Israel's on – on its own, it doesn't. It played that special role in coming in to to provide the Messiah, and and since then, it's it's just like any other nation that's out there. And then there's others that take a look and go, no, absolutely not. It is God's chosen people. It has a special place and always will have a special place in God's role, and so on. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. You know, again, I I think I mentioned this earlier. We we talked a lot before we we started the show, and so maybe I said it then. You know, I had somebody ask me the other day. You know, something about the Jewish faith, and I, you know, I have to remember that Jesus chose to come as a Jew. That, yeah, you know, he was alone, a Jew. if nothing else. That's that's special. Yeah, yeah, that's, and and I got to be honest with you, I don't usually dive into these topics. Be honest with you, because they they are pretty crazy, major sides you know get drawn up, and like I said, it's almost like talking about abortion with the group. It's just you're going to have very strong opinions and passionate opinions, and <laughs> I just don't like to engage in that. And also on top of it, at least on those kinds of things, especially that's non-salvational. And there's a lot of people in this valley that are way better at explaining this stuff and walking it through than me that have studied this stuff way more than me. But, you know, I'm on Sandy's short list, and so I'm here and I can talk a little bit about it. But (laughs) seriously, you know, continue your research, continue to try to understand this stuff. And 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 we're not trying to poke the bear. We're trying to be thought-provoking. Very much. That's part of... That's part of the ministry behind Christian Summing. We want to be thought-provoking. Very we, much. We want to be Jesus-honoring, God-honoring, but we want to be thought-provoking. And part of that is doing, and doing your own research. Yeah, and part of it is also when you come across things that don't agree with where you typically align, be comfortable with the uncomfortable and struggle through some of these passages. Try to understand them. Read what others have written before that have studied it more. 
and just try to understand what it's trying to say. So, Nate, um, we're just about out of time. If our listeners would like to connect with you for some reason, yes. have a question, yeah. how can they reach you? It's really easy. I have an email address. It's nate at natewheeler.com, and they can just ping me there, and we can have a discussion. That's Keep it civil. Be nice. Keep it civil. Like, thank, yeah, thank you so much, because Nate's a volunteer. He does not get paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so thank you so much for, oh, for jumping into the fray with me today oh, because bet. I thank really you. felt that it was timely and important for sure, us to even is. have these discussions. So folks, you can read more of Nate's story by going to christianlivingmag.com, go to our past issues tab and scroll down to November, December, 2021. And remember that Christian Living Spotlight is now a podcast and available on the larger streaming platforms such as iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Be sure to follow us and never miss another another episode. I'm tongue-tied all of a sudden. <laughs> this does bring our time to an end for this week, folks. We invite you back next week when we have a special guest in store for you, someone who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.